Hello everyone. Welcome to Nova Southeastern University South Florida Geriatric Work Enhancement Program podcast, also known as the SFGWAP podcast. We are here to educate, encourage, enhance, and promote all those amazing health professions working with the elderly, including patients, caregivers, and support systems. I'm Dr. Shweta Tiwari, Assistant Professor in the Department of Geriatrics, Kiran C. Patel College of Osteopathic Medicine at Nova Southeastern University. I'm also the Administrative Director of the HRSA-funded South Florida Geriatric Workforce Grant. Today's podcast is part of the GWEP's initiative to better understand the use of non-prescription medications among older adults. It is my honor to present a friend and colleague, Dr. Andrea Levine, an assistant professor of pharmacy practice at Nova Southeastern University College of Pharmacy with a practice specialty in both certification and ambulatory care. Currently, Dr. Levine assists in the care of adults with chronic disease, states where she takes students on rotation and teaches in the integrated disease management and integrated pharmacy application courses in the College of Pharmacy. Dr. Levine also serves as a faculty of the AIDS Education Training Center's grant and Geriatrics Workforce grant, where she focuses on providing continuing education to healthcare providers. So Dr. Levine, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Tawari. It's a pleasure to be here. So Dr. Levine, to start with, uh, can you uh, discuss or you know just kind of inform us about the prevalence of the over-the-counter medication or the non-prescription medication use in the elderly? Sure, and you know it's it's very hard to quantify, and unfortunately, the the data it doesn't come out as often as we would like it. But a few years back, we found that you know while older adults, so individuals who are 65 years and and older, comprise roughly about 13 percent of the U.S. population, they actually account for about 30 percent of over-the-counter medication use, which doesn't seem as though it's a lot. You know, you, you may think, well, there's another 70 percent. But when you think about the percentage of the population, it actually is quite high. And then if we think about, well, what about other medications that an individual may be taking, roughly about 25% of older adults may be on a combination of 10 or more medications, and that would be over-the-counter and prescription medications. So it's actually quite a a high prevalence. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, So why do elderly especially have a high level of confidence in, in the natural products? I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that it's not prescription, it's a non-prescription product. So you you can just go to your local pharmacy, get it off the shelf, you don't need a prescription. And a lot of times, you know, we think about over-the-counter medications, but we also should be thinking about dietary supplements, alternative medicines. There are so many other agents that, that comprise that over-the-counter. Um, It has to do a lot with package labeling, but there are also um, different food additives, dietary supplements, and alternative medicines that are also, their use is also on the rise. So there's a lot of confidence in that I can choose that medication. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's on the shelf. I can can take it myself. And a lot of times individuals are not even reporting those those medications to their their healthcare provider. So that can be tricky. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a big part of it is just that, you know, patient empowerment to be able to choose the medication for yourself and that thought that if I can choose it for myself, then it must be safe. And then also there's 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 also a placebo effect that can occur. Mm-hmm. So that means that you know you take a certain alternative medicine, 
you may feel better even if it's not necessarily working as much for you because you have that that empowerment of being able to take it. Also, I, I find that in different you know cultures and, and different societies, individuals talk very much about their medications and if a certain over-the-counter product or non-prescription therapy is working for your friend you know down the street, you may want to try it as well. So I, I think it's just a lot of you know, you can choose the medication yourself and that perception that there really are no drug interactions. And that's that's really useful information, especially when, you know, when we go and buy vitamins over the counter. Uh, are there any potential side effects that we should be aware about and also about the, you know, drug disease interactions or drug-to-drug interaction that in general patients, you know, they do not know much about? No, absolutely. And and that's really, as a pharmacist, that's where I really am concerned about for my patients because they don't realize, again, that there might be some drug interactions, not only with, you know, having so many over-the-counter products that they're currently using together, but also with their prescription products as well. So when looking at the uh, the amount of over-the-counter medications that are used, we tend to see the most frequently used are um, your ibuprofen, your aspirin, acetaminophen, and diphenhydramine. So those tend to be the the most utilized over-the-counter products. And when we think about ibuprofen, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, again, you may think, oh, I have a headache, let me just grab that, let me just grab that medication and take it. But then also if you have high blood pressure, for example, ibuprofen can cause you, and, and also medications like ibuprofen, like naproxen, um, they can cause you to retain or to hold on to water, and that can cause your blood pressure to increase. Also, if your kidneys are not working the way that they should be, it can also affect your kidneys as well. So there are just so many other things that we don't think about. Also, if you're on a medication like aspirin and you take something like ibuprofen or naproxen, that can increase your risk of bleeding. And also even by themselves, for individuals who are not older adults, long-term use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs can also increase your risk of having an ulcer um, and what we call a GI bleed or a gastrointestinal bleed. So those are all just things that we wanna be aware of. Mm-hmm. As far as acetaminophen, um, there are definitely concerns as far as liver. So we have some individuals, if we think about you know, acetaminophen, it's, it's found in about 600 products. So it's, it's, a, it's everywhere. So if you have a, an individual who's taking acetaminophen in one product, they might be taking it in another one as well, and it's very easy to overdose on acetaminophen. So that could increase your risk of going to the emergency room with issues with your liver. Looking at diphenhydramine, sometimes in your PM products, so the products that are taken at nighttime, that could be an issue because it has what we call anticholinergic effects, meaning that it will dry you out. So you can get dizzy, it can increase the risk of falls. So we try to avoid that medication, but if you're having trouble sleeping, a lot of our um, patients, whether they're older adults or or younger adults, may go to some of those PM products and that can increase their risk of falls. So I've had patients, for example, who are taking certain PM products, plus taking diphenhydramine to try and help them go to sleep. not only should they not be taking diphenhydramine, but now they're actually taking above the amount that they should be. And I've had patients who have had hip fractures and who have ended up in the hospital because not only should they not be taking it, but now they're taking actually more. So it's very important to to consider those concerns. Um, also aspirin, um, you know, I, I remember when I was in pharmacy school, it seems like 100 years ago, we were recommending aspirin for everybody. 
you know, once you hit 40, you should be on aspirin. Um, but now that's not the case. You know, really what we call for, you know, for primary prevention, meaning to prevent the first occurrence of, for example, a heart attack or a stroke, there's really not a lot of data that supports aspirin use. However, aspirin is a great medication for individuals who have already had an event. So um, what we call secondary prevention. So you're trying to prevent a second heart attack or a, set, a second stroke in certain situations. Again, it depends on the stroke. But we have a lot of patients who might be on aspirin when they don't need to be. So it's very important to consult their healthcare providers to see, you know, should I be taking this? Because in some individuals, the increased risk of bleeding is not worth the perception of benefit that they may receive. And also there are certain classes of medications, for example, PPIs, so proton pump inhibitors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we have like a omeprazole, for example, I'm just pulling that one out of, uh, out of my hat, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, those medications also are over the counter. Uh, they used to be prescription only. And so sometimes a patient may have, or an individual may have just some, some reflux, some heartburn, they take these agents. If you take them for a long period of time, it can actually increase your risk of fracture. It can also increase your risk of having this infectious diarrhea called C. diff. It can affect your magnesium levels. And again, these are all things that we don't necessarily think about. Mm-hmm. We don't think about all of the side effects that can occur with over-the-counter products. So it is important that you know consulting your healthcare provider, um, your physician, your physician assistant, nurse, pharmacist, we all need to be in the loop because Again, we need to see what are you taking, your prescription medications, all of your over-the-counter medications, any natural supplements that you might be taking, because there could be these underlying drug interactions that could potentially increase your risk of bleeding, increase your risk of falls, and just increase the risk of, of, of death. So that's very important for us to, to be mindful of. And, and also even thinking of you know, some of our nasal decongestants, you know, like pseudoephedrine, for example. Um, for individuals who have high blood pressure, taking a, a decongestant like that can actually worsen your blood pressure. So again, certain things that we don't necessarily think about because it is accessible to us on the shelf, it is important that we are always mindful of that. One question that I wanted to ask is that, you know, whenever patients present themselves, especially older adults, uh, to the providers and uh, when they're asked about the medication list, they would like to avoid the over-the-counter. Um, how should clinicians address this issue? So one thing that I always tell my students, you know, you never want to say, you know, what medications are you currently taking? You have to expand it because medications, automatically the majority of individuals will think, okay, prescription medications, and that's what I'm going to report. Mm -hmm. But um, you always want to say, you know, what prescription medications, what over-the-counter products, and what type of supplements. You always want to, I call it the trifecta of, <laughs> I call it the trifecta of a medication reconciliation to really get an idea of what an individual is taking. And sometimes they may want to get through the visit and they're like, oh, no, no, I'm not taking anything. Um, so sometimes we'll follow up and say, oh, you know, what do you do if you have a headache? You know, what do you take uh, if you have a headache? And then that kind of, it's like, oh, by the way, yeah, if I have a headache, I take ibuprofen or I take Tylenol or actually I take this, you know, other product. So, um, so I think that that is also helpful to expand it, um, to not be so specific with the, the words that are used, also using open-ended questions. Um, I also advise my students, and when I'm talking to patients, I, I always say, you know, try to avoid those, um, you know, where you're leading the patient. 
Um, so sometimes you'll say, oh, you don't take any over-the-counter medications, right? Because, you know, if you say that, then the patient's going to say, oh, no, no, of course not. Mm -hmm. Because you're, you're almost like leading the patients, like, oh, you don't do that. Or you'll shake your head no as you ask a question. So it's important to, you know, how are we approaching a patient? Are we asking those open-ended questions? Because if it's open-ended, the patient will respond, you know, even if, if, even if they say, oh, I don't take anything. But if you say, oh, you don't take any over-the-counter or supplements, correct? And the, the patient will either have to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. And in the way that you ask it, if it puts a negative tone on it, that could potentially affect the, the individual's response. So very open-ended, um, non-judgmental, and, you know, just, again, expanding it out to those prescription over-the-counter and supplements. Um, you can ask about vitamins, um, you know, just ask more targeted questions, but really start with some of those open-ended questions. I find, to, I find to be helpful. That That's good to know. So it's really asking the right questions. It is, and, and also having an individual bring in everything. I always say that, you know, if it's a, a supplement or anything, you know, put it in a bag, bring mm -hmm. it to the office, and, you know, whether it's over-the-counter, just anything that you consume, um, you know, of course not food, but if you, any medications that you consume, prescription over-the-counter, um, herbal supplements, anything like that, put it in a bag and bring it in. And then that way, because um, there are so many different products that are out there, that that way we can see what the ingredients are. Um, sometimes there are a combination, um, over-the-counter products or supplements, and that way we can really see what's going on because there are a lot of databases and a lot of resources that we can use as clinicians to ensure that there are no drug interactions and ensure that there are no um, just potential side effects for the patient. So since we know that there's so many over-the-counter products and you know uh, vitamins and which which people use, what are some some of the beneficial over-the-counter products that you would be recommending or you know accepting? You know, it, it, and that's a it's a great question, but it's a very tough question uh -huh. because everyone is so different. I know that I have, you know, seen clinicians. I, I know that there are, are television shows that say you should always have, you know, some, you know, XYZ product on you. But it's very hard. Like there are certain supplements that we should have. Um, but I always encourage using, um, you know, dietary. You know, mm -hmm. so using the the diet form. So if you need omega three fatty acids, having, you know fatty fish, like salmon, for example, that is a great source of omega-3 fatty acids. If you feel that your diet is not, you know, where it should be to attempt to, you know, change your diet to eat healthier. However, if necessary, you know, having a multivitamin, um, if you feel that your diet perhaps is not where it should be, but making sure that it's not infused with, you know, extra energy or, you know, all of these things, because usually if it is infused with something that will, you know, boost your energy or do X, Y, Z, there might be something else in there besides the, the supplements that you need throughout the day. Um, and then ensuring, you know, if you need to take, you know, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug or acetaminophen, just making sure that you talk to your pharmacist, talk to your other healthcare providers, because th there are safe options for that. Um, just making sure that you as, a, as an individual, it's safe for you. Um, also with calcium, for example, um, we have many of our patients who are postmenopausal, older adults, um, who would benefit from calcium supplementation. But again, through diet is always going to be better than through a supplement. So ensuring that your diet is, is rich in calcium-rich foods. There are 
fruits and vegetables and you know different products now that are infused with calcium. So that's always my recommendation. However, if we have individuals who have osteoporosis, they, they do need calcium supplementation. And even though there are concerns with over-the-counter use of calcium, we may need to go that route because you always have to weigh the risks and the benefits of um, you know, potential fracture and you know, some of the, the concerns that we have with calcium. So again, diet is always best, trying to get those foods. So if you have high triglycerides um, or somewhat elevated triglycerides, trying to get some of that you know, triglyceride lowering through diet, through fatty fish like salmon, um, calcium through calcium-rich foods. But again, some individuals may need to be on fish oil supplementation. They may need to be on calcium supplementation. They may need a multivitamin. And those are all things that are, that are okay. It's just important to have that open dialogue with your healthcare provider. Speaking of over-the-counter products, Dr. Levine, there are different brands around it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, patients are often confused uh, in terms of which brand should be used. Do you have any recommendations around them? You know, it's it's also it's a great question because there are you walk down the aisles and there are so many different products out there. Some are brand names, some are generics. Um, there's a really big price difference between the brand and the generic. Um, so my you know my gut reaction is always to go with the generic. I you know I, they are you know within a certain percentage of potency or how strong they are compared to the brand. Um, they are they do they do go through um, you know the approval process as far as just ensuring that that they are appropriate um, as far as your over-the-counter um, medications any type of natural supplements or dietary supplements are do not go through the Food and Drug Administration but our over-the-counter products do so I have a lot of faith and a lot of um, you know I, I feel that our generic products are a really good option and again much less expensive mm -hmm. um, so I, I tend to go that route because again um, you know it, it could be double the price or even triple the price I mean it really does depend because you want to see well how many tablets or how many capsules do you get in the brand versus the generic so so again I'm, I'm always a, a proponent of, of generic products and that's not only for over-the-counter supplements I'm sorry over-the-counter um, medications but it's also for prescription medications as well in 99% of situations but again it's very important to read the back so you're always going to have directions but you're also going to see what the active ingredients are because as I had discussed earlier, acetaminophen, for example, is found in approximately 600 products. So you want to make sure that you're not accidentally having acetaminophen from one product and another product or a decongestant in one product and another product. So that's the main thing is just turning that box around, looking at the different active ingredients, reaching out to the pharmacist who's most likely there, mm -hmm. and then that would be very beneficial for the individual. Thank you, Dr. Levine. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really grateful to you for an informative discussion, helpful for our providers and patient education. Dr. Levine, it was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here.